0: You are listening to a Bible based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now, here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Hello, and welcome to my home. It's my week to preach for River Rock Church, and my sermon today is uh, titled Does Jesus Know Me? And it's from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. And uh, I know I, I have met several famous athletes uh, when I was younger, quite a, a, a much better golfer than I am today. I played in a, multiple charity tournaments where I got to meet members of the Vikings teams. I got to meet some professional golfers and actually played golf with them. And at, at our last church, we actually had a, a, pit, a pitcher from the Minnesota Twins, a very famous pitcher. I'm not going to say his name. He and his wife would attend our church on occasion. But if you were to ask any of those athletes that ran across my path if they knew me, I could almost guarantee that they would say no. And, and why is that? Because my contact with them was casual. Uh, we didn't have intimate conversations. I did not share life with them. They were not in my home eating meals with my wife and I. But the question that's driven by the sermon title is absolutely important. And that question is driven by a key verse in here where Jesus tells people that appeared to be doing good things, get away from me, I never knew you. Basically telling them, you're not coming into my heaven because I did not know you. The deep implications of that question will cause us to think about, well, what's the most important thing in life? And to me, then it comes down to that, does Jesus know me? that's the most important thing in my life that's the most important thing or should be the most important thing in your life as well in matthew 7 verses 13 through 23 jesus is trying to help the people see what they truly need to go to heaven and what they need is they need to be known by him because those who are not will be cast out of his presence heaven is just as real as hell hell is just as real as heaven When Jesus talks about both, we have to trust that he's telling us the truth. Each person, then, to be known by Jesus, has to have an intimate, personal relationship with him. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about how we can do that in these verses. Passage, um, again, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. Let's open that and read that uh, together. I've got it here on my notes. It says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it watch out for false prophets they come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves by their throat fruit you will recognize them do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Do you hear the contrast between the truth and the counterfeit in each one of these? There's a true gate and a counterfeit gate. There's a true prophet and a counterfeit prophet. There's a true Christ follower and a counterfeit Christ follower. And each the true item points to Jesus himself and a relationship with him so as we look at this passage we will see jesus in each truth and as i talk about that i want us to understand that jesus is the the way Uh, jesus is the truth jesus is the life it's through him that we enter the kingdom and that's the whole point of this and so it brings us to our bumper sticker for today i like to have a bumper sticker in each message that is this to be heaven bound we must be heaven found So, what does that mean? It means that if I want to be heaven bound, I need to be found in Christ. In a committed, open, honest, um, completely nothing bared relationship with Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would i have told you that i am going to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where i am this is wedding language jesus is talking like a, a, a groom to a bride and he's saying i'm going to go build a room onto my father's house and that's where we're going to stay and then i'm going to come back to you and bring you there so when we talk about this committed relationship It's like a marriage relationship. When I'm talking about a relationship, having that personal committed relationship to Jesus, we need to forsake all others and follow only him. He is the one who is going to get us into heaven. He's the only way. And so we need to forsake all the others and follow only Jesus. As we look at this text, we're going to see a bunch of things that we need to forsake. And so these are my three points. We need to forsake all counterfeit paths, We think lead to heaven and enter through Jesus. He is the gate. He is the true gate. We need to forsake all counterfeit teachings and philosophies and cling to biblically accurate teachings. The Bible gives us what we need to know all, all about having that personal relationship with Jesus and how we should live. We need to forsake trying to earn Jesus' love and cling to the truth that Jesus loves us already. Our acts of righteousness will not earn us heaven. It's only through that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what this whole uh, message is about. That's what I want you to know because I want all of you to know that someday you will be in heaven with me and with Jesus. So let's open up Matthew 7 together and begin looking at the verses. So beginning in verse 13, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But the small, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. We need to forsake all counterfeit paths we think lead to heaven and we need to enter through Jesus because he is the true gate. Enter through the narrow gate. Jesus is the only gate. The picture people see here if you were a first century person is a shepherd laying across the opening of a sheepfold that would have been walled in with Uh, fences and briars on the top to keep predators out and thieves out and the shepherd would lay across the gate area and he would lay there so that if anybody tried to get in he would protect if any of the sheep tried to get out where it was dangerous he would be protecting them and he would stop them jesus saying if you want to come into my fold you have to pass through me and that's what he's saying that's the narrow gate and john's gospel jesus says this in john chapter 10 verses 7 through 10 to try to find happiness, to try to find fulfillment, um, even to try to find um, our whatever heaven that they're, they're teaching. But Jesus says there is a, only one way. And ACDC has a song, Highway to Hell. Um, there's a lot of people who are happily uh, traveling down that highway uh, and, and they think they're going to be happy at the end of their lives and they're wrong. Because hell is a place of torment a place of torture, a place of separation from God. So we need to stay on that narrow path. We need to enter through that narrow gate. We need to follow Jesus with all of our heart. Some people um, create a counterfeit Jesus in their own minds rather than the true one. So they accept little bits of scripture here, but yet then they accept accept teaching from other people. faiths that are are not taking us towards Jesus. And and Jesus says that is wrong. and They're headed down a path of description. So if you look at a wide gate, the shepherd can't cover the whole thing. He can't protect them. And the thieves can get in and the predators can get in and and they'll destroy them. That wide gate is a dangerous place. And that's why we need to stay at the narrow gate, which is Jesus only. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. When we stray away from Jesus, we put ourselves in risk of of being destroyed. We may not lose our salvation, but we may destroy our lives and we may ruin our opportunity to minister in a particular situation jesus is the true gate we need to forsake all counterfeit gates and enter the kingdom through him and then we will be known trust only in jesus follow only jesus put yourself under his protection Quit looking to the world for life and look to jesus because he is the life in marriage language uh, we bind ourselves to one woman or one man we forsake all others jesus is the gate that we need to bind ourselves to forsaking all others we need to forsake all counterfeit paths we think lead to heaven and enter through Jesus. He is the true gate. Now in the next section, in the next verse, verse 15, beginning in verse 15, it says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good or bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. We need to forsake all counterfeit teachings and philosophies and cling to biblically accurate teachings. There are false prophets all around. They may even claim to be speaking for Jesus or speaking for God. And although we listen to preachers and teachers... Our ultimate authority needs to be the Word of God. And we need to know God's Word and, and to know Jesus and to be known by Him. So we need to evaluate every teacher that we listen to. Are they using the Bible as their authority or are they using some other source? When I, I look at what they are saying, does it agree with Scripture? So people can take verses out of context and twist them to mean whatever they want. But if you look at the whole of Scripture, which is why we need to understand the Bible fully, does it agree with everything that God teaches or everything that is about God in Scripture? Does the message point to Jesus or to themselves? And this is really important because it tells us who they're trying to glorify. Is the message pointing and trying to make themselves look good and great and and, and to gain fame and prosperity whatever? Or is the message pointing people to Jesus? A true prophet doesn't preach or teach for their own uh, um, increase. They preach and teach for the increase of the kingdom of God. Do their lives model what Scripture teaches? we want to make sure that we're following people who are not only uh, talking the talk, but walking the walk. We want to look at their lives and say, is this person really following and, and putting Jesus first in his life? Does it show that, he is using, that Jesus is his gate, that Jesus is his teaching, that, uh, that he has a personal relationship with Jesus, he or she has a personal relationship with Jesus? We want to follow those types of teachers. Does their teaching make us want to follow Jesus more closely? We need to make sure that what we're learning, what people are teaching, are uh, things that make us want to follow and grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. If they're directing us someplace else, then uh, we are following a false prophet. And if my teaching, as I teach you today, and if you listen to my word from Pastor Dan, if it only makes others feel good, but they are never motivated to follow or to become like Jesus, and I have failed, and you need to look for somebody else to listen to because I am not fulfilling my purpose. I am not fulfilling Jesus' purpose for me in my life, which is to help others come to know more about Jesus, to help others want to be in a personal relationship with Jesus, to help others enter through that narrow gate. Beware of anyone who preaches or teaches warm fuzzy and not the warnings that come in scripture too. Beware of anyone who preaches. We need Jesus and we need something else. Jesus and this other book to interpret scripture. Jesus and these rituals that we have to fulfill. Because in John 1.1, Jesus said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. He is the word that we follow. He is the truth. He is God. He is the teacher we need to follow. He is the one who shows us everything we need to know. We do not need anything other than Jesus. We do not need anything other than Jesus and his word to know about, uh, uh, to know about God and to be known by him. Jesus is the word. And the, uh, the Bible tells us that very clearly. God does not use horoscopes. He doesn't use tarot cards. He doesn't use angel cards. He doesn't use mediums. He doesn't use spirits. He gave us the Bible, the Word of God, to guide us and to lead us and to be the base for our teachings. Yes, Jesus uses others to teach his Word, but we don't follow them, except maybe on Facebook. Uh, We follow their teachings if they will lead us back to Jesus. We want the people that we're following, the people that we're listening to, to be people who are pointing us back to Jesus. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. That's what the scripture tells us. Going back to the marriage language, to follow those who are not teaching Jesus only is to have an affair. It's to be in an adulterous relationship. With, uh, rather than being in a committed relationship with Jesus, we need to be in that committed relationship with Jesus. We need to forsake all counterfeit teachings and philosophies and cling to biblically accurate teachings. Now we come to the section that has the key verse for this whole passage Do, Does Jesus know me? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. but but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. We need to forsake trying to earn Jesus' love and cling to the truth that he loves us. The people Jesus is describing here are ones who appear to be doing right things. They're calling Jesus Lord. Uh, that's a good thing. you know. If, if I look at that, calling Jesus Lord is a good thing. To say that Jesus is the master of my life. Prophesying in his name. Yes, prophesying in Jesus' name is good too. And then uh, driving out demons, performing miracles, all good things. But Jesus calls them evildoers. Why is that? Because it's all about them. It has nothing to do with Jesus. They were claiming that their good works were what should get them into heaven. And Jesus has already done all the work that needs to be done. He died on the cross to pay the price for all of our sins. When we say that that death is not enough, that I need to do this too, or or I say that these things I need to do so that I can earn heaven, what we're saying is that Jesus' death was not enough. That, That what Jesus said about his death was not enough. We're calling him a liar, and we're saying that he is insufficient to save us. And that is not true. And that is why we would be cast out. That is why he calls them evildoers, because they are not teaching the truth that Jesus was teaching. They were trusting in their good works to earn their way to heaven. And Jesus says, I am the way to heaven. They seem to be using Jesus' name as a tool. They're missing the key, being known by Jesus. Not just knowing his name and title jesus wants to know us personally he wants us to know him personally now we may be thinking well well jesus already knows everything so obviously he knows me ah yes he knows about me but he can't truly know me unless i let him into my life you see jesus does not force himself on him upon us he wants us to desire to have a relationship with him I can count on one hand the number of people who really know me. Now, there's people who have known me, uh, You know, there'll be additional people who've known me in the past, but we've grown apart. They've moved away, so I've changed in the years that we've been separated. And so they know me from the past, but they don't know me today. Um, One of the things, if you know me, one of the things you'll know is that I absolutely hate chewing gum. I cannot stand chewing gum. It makes me nervous as a cat. That's something that somebody who knows me would know because it's an intimate detail in my life. It's a pet peeve of mine. I can't stand it. Now, you can chew gum. It doesn't bother me. But if you're chewing it vigorously, I'm going to probably look away because it's going to start to make me feel kind of goofy because I feel like it's wasted energy. It's kind of where it goes with that. In Revelation 3, verses 19 through 20, Jesus says this, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. See, he is waiting for us to invite him into our lives. And, and the first part in that verse 19, he talks about discipline, being able to tell us where we're wrong and us being able to receive that. But he says that I want to come in with you and eat with you. And Jesus' time to share a meal with somebody was to, to have the deepest of friendship you didn't just share a meal with everybody but you shared a meal with your deepest friends and frequently they would be eating out of the same bowl which is common in even middle eastern countries today but he also wants to come to us not just when we are uh, want to invite him in but when we have failed Jesus wants us to come to Him when we have failed. Because when we come to Him when we have failed, we show Him that we truly trust Him. That we trust Him with our dirty laundry. We trust Him with the ugliness that's in our lives. We trust Him with the, the things that we struggle with. And He wants to be there to help us and carry us through that. And He's willing to forgive us. And there's no limit on His forgiveness. He will continue to forgive us if we're in that personal relationship with Him. We need to be able to hear when he wants to correct us and listen and change and repent we need that in a marriage relationship when we hurt our spouse we need to be able to hear them tell us why we and how we hurt them so that we can apologize so that we can change our ways so that we can maintain that good relationship when spouses hurt us We also need to accept their apologies, and that's what Jesus does for us. When we hurt Jesus because we've failed, because we've sinned, because we've got off the right path, Jesus wants us to come back to him and repent, and he's going to accept us. Jesus is a God who says that, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We just need to keep coming to him. We need to be able to pour everything out before him. This is how we are known, by letting him into all areas of our life. Yes, even the messy stuff that doesn't look very Christian. The relationship begins with trusting in his death on the cross as a single act that pays the price for all of our sins. We have to trust him with that and recognize that he has told us that that is true. And this is how we are known. Uh, this means we need to forsake our own deed to try to gain heaven. We, he has already done everything is necessary. The good we do is because we, he has saved us. It's not to save ourselves. So let me say that again. The good we do is because he has saved us, not because we want to save ourselves. We ch- trust Jesus want to act on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And our hope in him is that as the one who is resurrected, that he will resurrect us someday. He is the groom who has gone away and prepared a place for us. He's coming back to take us to that place. Continuing in our marriage analogy, in my marriage, I trust Becky loves me. And I know that she trusts that I love her. I would be insulted if I had felt I had to earn her love every day, it would mean that she didn't believe me when I told her I loved her before. But at the same time, I do things to show her my love because I love her, not to earn her love. That is what Jesus wants for us, from us. He wants us to trust in his death on the cross, to be open and honest and share with him, and then we will be known. We need to forsake trying to earn Jesus' love and cling to the truth that he loves us so how do we do all of this this is the, the what this is what's in it for you it begins with becoming a part of his flock and jesus is quoted in john 14 6 saying and pretty much everything that i covered here in one verse he says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me i am the way he is the gate i am the way he is the gate I am the truth. He is the truth. He's the true teaching. He is the life. He is the one that saves us. He is the only one who can save us from our sins. And no one can enter heaven except through him. Unless we accept his sacrifice on the cross, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. If we don't come into that personal relationship with Jesus, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus tells us, though, that we can know without a doubt if we are, uh, if we are saved, if we're going to heaven. And it's, it's simple. We have to have him to have eternal life. First John uh, chapter 5, verses 11-13, John writes this, And this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. We can have this assurance by believing, that is trusting that Jesus, what Jesus has said, that he is the way. We are sinners and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life and and that eternal life is in Christ Jesus so we can pray and ask him to come in confess our need for him reject our own acts of righteousness and accept both his love and the gift of eternal life from him and here's how we do this you, you want if you want to pray this simple prayer with me this is a way to do it uh, understand that the words of the prayer are not important it's what's in your heart when you pray that's important so let's pray jesus please come into my life i surrender myself to you i know that i don't deserve eternal life because of my sin I accept your death as a payment for all my sins, and I want to know you, and I want you to know me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Amen. If you prayed this for the first time, or maybe again, and want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, please reach out to myself or to Pastor Chris. You can find information on how to reach us at Riverrock.com. There's a phone number. You can call Pastor Chris if you want to get a hold of me. Uh, there should be a, an email address for me in there. Leave us a, or call me on my cell phone. Uh, leave me a voice message. If I don't pick up, I'll call you back. But if you want to be found in heaven, you need to ensure that you are heavenly bound. Uh, let me say that in a better way. We want to be heavenly bound, which means we need to be found in Christ. Have a great day. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit RiverRockChurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.